Lacey Gage from the Tangentialist blog digs up and discusses events and experiences from her own collaged history on having a stigmatized condition known as bipolar. She relates, reflects, and refocuses it into infectiously funny anecdotes and amusing stories that will have you in stitches. Being a roaming artist, a roaming distracted artist, that reinvents and reimagines her goals constantly, this podcast takes you down a twisting rabbit hole of icons and avenues of slightly familiar yet offbeat occurrences. Join her every other week as she delves into her own bizarre memory banks, pulling out some eccentric moments that capture the intimacy on the ups and downs of this disorder lived out in her electric days of her rebellious youth. Hey, glorious humanoids. Welcome back to the Tangentialist podcast, and let's just jump into it. And this episode is school tragedies did not divert or did not change my direction. And the reason I titled it this was because when I was in high school, there was a number of sort of tragedies that happened, as I think do for a lot of students. But I just wanted to touch on those uh, quickly and how it sort of didn't even phase me when I was doing my own sort of trajectory in uh, my experiences and, and throughout my sort of school life. So what happened was it was just one regular sort of school day, you know, nothing nothing out of the ordinary. And I was just going for a usual smoke break outside my school. And there was a rumor going around that uh, two girls that I knew had been hit by a train. And there was actually like a, a number of groups of kids sort of hanging out outside and they were sort of huddled together and, and you could hear people uh, quietly sobbing and and some some shouts and and so I knew something was just definitely wrong or something had happened like I said there was a rumor but I think it was more so that how I felt as I was what I was seeing outside the school I could I could just feel that something was different and something was out of the norm there was also when this happened with these two girls and they were hit by not one train but two trains going in different directions and of course, kids, as they are, come up with all these gory details of what actually happened and how they were found and what sort of gruesome details you can just sort of imagine for yourselves. I won't, I won't go into those. But yeah, they were on their way to the, the grocery store. I think it was for foods class. And yeah, it was, it was pretty tragic. And thank goodness the, the school closed for the day, you know, in respect to the families and, and the victims. And well, of course, it was, it was just like I said, so tragic. And then there was an overdose by a kid who, who had always had winter in his name. And I didn't know him very well. I didn't really know him at all, but I knew of him. And it's it's very strange when when you know of someone and then and then they just vanish for good. Now it just it just kind of shakes me me up a little bit. Just knowing that somebody's not there anymore is is just sort of a little a little frightening. There was also this incident of a brother of a friend of mine who he drove erratically, and I don't even remember the circumstances of this incident, but I, I remember that my my skater friend Daryl was in the car and he actually died as a passenger. And that one really scares me as, you know, the, it was a friend of mine and it was his brother that actually did this. And like I said in the previous episode, or no, I think it's this episode where I said that I have trouble with etiquette or also known as having a filter. I've had trouble actually having a filter and, and I think what were the other issues? Purpose and, and see, yeah, there goes my memory. Anyway, 
There was also, for the, for all of these incidences that happened in my high school, it was also in some ways a premonition for how certain circumstances in my own trajectory could have worked out. Here is where I choose to believe a myriad of explanations that we can get into later. These events or occurrences and how they played out with future ones becoming episodes and even some of them having a manual with them. I left you last episode with my brain injury and how it actually happened. Well, it happened and it was a big shock to me. We'll just go through what exactly happened after and and how I handled it. I wanted to touch on a few uh, very important points about brain injury and the bipolar and how it basically just kind of happened. I don't even know how it actually became what it became. The trauma to my my brain, which was a closed head injury, it actually changed the chemistry in my brain to become bipolar. And I don't know what the diagnostic or physiological terminology is for everything that we're going through, but I think we'll get into that because ever since uh, this happened to me, I have become truly fascinated with the with the mind and with the brain. So we will be able to to look more closely at what it actually means in the skull, in the brain, in the hippocampus, or the, the what what the synapses are doing, and and the neurotransmitters, and and there's there's a bunch more terms that I that I don't even know, and they've they've made so much progress with the mind and with the brain that, that I think it would be it would be great for us to to look at that. From my my brain injury when it actually actually happened, it was quite a big quite a big thing. I was in the hospital for quite a while, just under a year. Well, about three quarters of a year. It was about seven months. I was in the hospital from May until just before Christmas. And at this time, my my parents, Bruce and Maureen, had actually moved to uh, to the states. They actually got a a house, a four bedroom house. In Indiana, they they did this because my my dad he actually ended up getting a job transfer down there. Didn't even think anything of it at the beginning. I thought, yeah, why not? I'll just go with my with my parents. It wasn't where I wanted to be, and so I, I really made sure that I let them know that I wanted to finish my last year of high school in Canada. I just I was telling them, you know what? I don't want to go to high school down there. They've got guns there. There's mass shootings in in high schools. I don't want to be a part of that. Although at the the very same time I did I did feel the the urge to you know okay I will go down with you but the more I thought about it the more I thought wait this doesn't seem entirely safe to me but then at the same time they they told me that they didn't think it was safe for me to stay in Canada either because they realized the the influence that Jake had over me they thought me being on my own in Canada was not going to be a good thing for me. They thought there was going to be, there was going to be consequences to what I was, I guess, intending. I don't know. With Bruce and Maureen, there wasn't anything that they really spoke of directly. They just kind of left everything up in the air. And when you're a kid, you don't even think anything of it. But the more you reflect on things as you get older, you're like, hey, wait a minute. Uh, there's Maybe we should have talked about things a little more clearly, a little more consciously, a little more mindfully, right? But, uh, you know, in the time, it was just like, yeah, I'm a kid. I'm not going to rock the boat. 
Although, as I said, I did rock the boat. I, I said, no, I'm staying in Canada. And they knew that, that I was going to do what I wanted anyway. And so I did. I, I got myself an apartment. It was my very first one. So I was pretty excited about it. It was kind of a bit scary, though. I didn't really have a job. I was I was looking around for, for a job, but I didn't find one. So I ended up having to go on welfare for a while. And that, that wasn't a, a fun thing to be doing. But uh, yeah, that's how I ended up sort of supporting myself while I was finishing my last year of high school. And as I said to you, that I did finish the last year of high school, and then there was the uh, the traumatic brain injury that happened. And see, when I was in hospital, I really, really didn't think there was anything wrong with me. I but things just didn't quite seem right. What's going on? You know, in my head, that's what I was thinking. And, and I looked down at my leg, and I was in a big cast. And I thought, well, maybe I just broke my leg. Why am I still here? Why are there therapists getting me to do all these? strange positions repeatedly and, and nurses and doctors doing their rounds. I would keep walking around just, you know, waving at people and talking and, but things just didn't quite seem right. Cause when I'd look in the mirror, my tooth was broken and that, that, that was a little alarming. I was like, well, okay. So I didn't really put two and two together. I didn't, I didn't remember anything, right? As I had said to you earlier that I remembered a, a few weeks before that, uh, a party that my friend Gwen had had. And then all of a sudden here I am with a leg in a cast in a hospital. So my parents, Bruce and Maureen, Thankfully, they, they put together a photo album for me with sort of labels describing who these people were in my life. And I thought it was funny. They put Adriana's high school picture at the very beginning because, of course, they wanted me to remember my sister because she's very important. And then it was uh, family uh, events after that. It was it was family pictures and, and friends and, and just sort of reacquainting myself with my memories in a sense, which was very, very appropriate for for the trauma that had happened to me because I really don't think I would have remembered that. It even took a little while for me to remember that I was an artist. I, I, I had my mom, she actually had to get me to take some classes in Indiana because I really didn't think I was an artist. It just, it didn't come back naturally. It seems like a, a little forced at the beginning, but then it kind of just, it kind of just flowed, I guess, I guess you could say. Yeah, it was, it was a tough time recovering because all the time, even when I was in hospital, I was like, yeah, like, like I said, there's nothing wrong with me. I've just got a leg in a cast, you know, everything's fine. Obviously, I did for a bit. I, I didn't notice monotone for the longest time. And then I, I had some speech therapy and and some physical therapy when I was in Indiana. And, and that was really, really good for me. It was really positive. And anybody that's out there that has that and doesn't see the benefit, well, I'm wagging my finger at you. I mean, you may at the time be like, no, I don't need this, which, as I said, I, I definitely was a part of that. But really, realistic terms, you you most likely do. You just you just don't want to see it. And, and I know we're all guilty of that not wanting to see our very own faults, but it's, it's, it's wise to find a way to correct these things in ourselves. It's, it's, it, ha it benefits us in the long run. I was in the States with Bruce and Maureen for, for a while, and I was finding it also a bore down there. Because that, that's the place I didn't want to be. I was like afraid of the, you know, like the guns and, and they spoke differently. And there was, there was a lot of fear in, in that, but it was just, it was like, how do I fit in again? I, I always had that, that problem that I just, I just didn't know how to fit in. So of course I went on my, my usual walks and I just would walk all over the, the little town that we were in. And I just, that's what I did. I just kept walking and and walking. And then I even, I even got a bit of a, a learner's permit for a little while. I thought, you know what, maybe I will drive. Maybe I will take on this driving thing. And, and so I did that for a little bit and then it never really felt comfortable for me. So I just 
let that go by the wayside and didn't really pursue that any further. What I did focus on was having a relationship with a friend's sibling uh, when I was in high school. It was a girl from my homeroom class. She she actually had an older brother that I knew of him. And uh, this was around the time that chat rooms happened. And we kind of just, I guess, reacquainted ourselves with each other on on, on the social platform. I mean, this was the very beginning of, of that time. It was all so new. Like it was, it was the very beginning of the internet. If anybody can, can remember those days, it was uh, 97. When it was exciting, let's just see where this is going to take us and, and just socialize and, and get, you know, get talking to all kinds of people. Although I, I'm thankful that I didn't because that could have been dangerous. At the time, I was I was pretty gullible and, and didn't really didn't really realize what some sort of predatory natures were out there. As, as you've heard from the, the uh, people that have been in my life, I didn't didn't recognize that back then. And, and thank goodness, I, I'm becoming more more aware of that these days. Definitely in the last uh, two decades or so, I, I've become more more aware and alert of, of, of those kinds of people. I, I told you that I was talking with a sort of a loose acquaintance, really, in my from my homeroom, and it was her brother. Her brother's name was Dante, and we we kind of created this little online relationship, and it was it was pretty fun in the in the beginning because, like I said, it was all brand new, and I really thought he was really attractive, and I mean, I knew him, but I didn't really know him that well, so I I, I knew he was like a really nice guy, and that he was he was really sweet, and and you know that he was super tall. He was he was such a giant. Or I used to really associate that Pixie song with him, Gigantic. Uh, but, but yeah, he, he really looked like the lead singer from Smashing Pumpkins, which also was something that was, was really fun to associate with him. So, so there was that. And, and yeah, we were, we had this, this sort of fun little online relationship that when it was, it was super exciting, not sort of real or tangible, but it was, it was definitely something that was just, what I, I guess of what I needed at that time because I was recovering and, and I guess in a sense I really didn't want people in my intimate sort of relationships at that time in my life. I wanted to heal more completely and, and be very focused on, on that goal, right? So it was just, it was kind of good that we were at, at such a distance. As I said, it was very important for me so I could focus on my healing and, and, and end up recovering more completely at that time. So, so it was good in that sense, but in others I, I was feeling as I said, a loss. Uh, I was again at a loss. I couldn't find a place to fit in. I didn't feel that belonging. And that it seemed to be sort of a common thread throughout my life already. I just definitely something that I saw with being adopted, which I also wanted to touch on that a little bit because being adopted, it's not a bad thing. I never thought of it that way. I always thought of it as a positive thing. And why I see it as a positive thing is because Bruce and Maureen had these uh, baptism invitations made for me. And, and they were, they were so, what's the word I'm looking for? Not adorable, but it was so poignant or it was just so endearing. And, and what it actually said on the front of it was, you weren't expected, you were selected. And that, has made me feel so very special for such a long time that, that yeah, I, I make sure that I pass that on to anybody that I can, that if they, they're weirded out or, or if it's just, if it's just some little tidbit of information I think that would be appropriate, I, I kind of try and put that out there because it, it definitely has made me feel very special for such a long time to be selected. Like that's, that's a really, a really happy, positive thing that I, that I definitely like to look back on. 
back to the brain injury. So, so Bruce and Maureen were very, very supportive in, in all of this when, when we were in Indiana, and they definitely took me to all my therapies and, and doctor's appointments, and just, you know, they were there for me and and, taught, and definitely enrolling me in, in some art classes. And I even took a, a university class at uh, Indiana Wesleyan just to sort of um, to test the waters or wet my feet or, or what it, whatever that saying is about just seeing if I could get back into education and, and seeing if that was going to be a good fit for me because I, I definitely still had that feeling of wanting to go to school like a post-secondary education, I definitely had that inclination in me that I wanted to pursue that. And, and I had some, some colleges and universities in mind. And I was, cause this was just after my, no, it was my 19th birthday. So yeah, cause it was 1997. So again, my chronological memory is definitely after my 19th birthday. And, and I really had that, that urge to, to go to post-secondary education. And I was, I was, like I said, testing the waters to see if that was something that, that I could actually pursue. And, and I did, I did pass that, that course, did pretty well. It was just a British literature course. Yeah, like I said, I took those art classes and it, it seemed, everything seemed to be sort of going the way I, I had wanted to. Yeah, things were going great. Well, well, pretty good. I mean, I was in the States and I, as I said, I wasn't feeling that, that sense of belonging. So I kind of had my, my eyes set back on Canada. I was like, I got to get back to Canada. My boyfriend, uh, Dante is up there. Like I went back and visited him a couple times, but it was just, it was definitely something that I wanted to make sure that we didn't have that distance because long distance relationships really, really don't last. We, and we wanted to get to know each other even more. Something that, that was definitely, uh, uh, a goal for me to to make sure I got back to Canada and, and furthered my education. These are the insights for this episode, and that is that what I have learned from my traumatic brain injury or TBI is that recovery times vary. That just when you think you are recovered, you realize that there are more sort of nuances or sections of your character that just need a little tweaking that you need to, or that I've learned that that I've had to just assess and figure out what actually needs to be improved in some ways. And that I think that we're all like that. We all need sometimes a little bit of improvements in certain areas of our lives or our characters. And when we are dealing with a physical or mental or emotional issue, uh, this is when we can actually really work on ourselves and we can really improve ourselves and, and benefit from putting that extra time into making ourselves better people. This is one thing I really noticed with, with my brain injury and my bipolar is that I really had a hard time dealing with etiquette and empathy and purpose. They were, they were all really sort of difficult for me and in some ways still are. What I've seen is that, that it best to be seen the whole circumstances of, of recovery as sort of a journey and that it is not a destination. It can be a meditative space to focus your energy on and that it also can be a place to flourish and become a better person. And this is what I will go into great deal with in the next episode as I take you down another rabbit hole of my heady days of my rebellious youth, tripped up by disorder. Thank you, glorious humanoids, for tuning in. Folding up these anecdotes, I express them to you and I give them for you to enjoy and consider as I reflect and remodel and re-engage what the future has for me on these social platforms. See you next time on The Tangentalist.